It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It's Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock, and it is time for episode 260 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Brian, my friend, how are you doing tonight? Ron, I'm going to say that anytime I am sitting across from a computer monitor two plus hours away from you, but knowing that I get to spend the next 60 minutes fully engaged, 100% of your attention, just focus all on me and you have my full attention. Um, Do I though? I feel like you let your attention wander at times. Um, I think I used to. And I think that once we started doing the video, that changed. I mean, uh, you know, longtime listeners of the show will remember that, you know, in, in the early days, you know, um, seasons 24, 25, when we were doing um, audio only versions of the podcast, um, it was odd to, to just basically sit in a room staring at a computer, you know, internet browser and just hear your voice. It was like the, the voice of God would come in. Then, um, you know, everybody jumped over to uh, video conferencing when the pandemic hit. Sure. That was when I was able to really um, we upgraded our systems thanks to our Patreons. Who um, who helped fund um, so, some of the cost for us to upgrade our capabilities, and that was when I was able to see you. And that's when I think my um, you uh, I feel uh, I can stand on firm ground with the statement that you have my undivided attention. All right, well then let's get right to it. Uh, it's time for drink of the week. Drink of the week. Nazdrovia. Salud. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Brian, what are you drinking this week, my friend? You know, Ron, I do love a good Pilsner. Oh, you do. And today I am drinking a Bushwick Pilsner from Braven Brewing Company. You know, Ron. The Pilsners of Bushwick are a legendary. Few remember it today, but the Bushwick section of Brooklyn was one of America's leading brewing centers through the 1950s, 60s, into the 70s. Its Pilsners were unique for more reasons than just their highly hopped character. This is a return of the style that made Bushwick famous. This Bushwick Pilsner, it's old school, dry and refreshing, it's a ballpark-ready, crushable brew. Your granddad would love this beer. Coming in at a 5.5 ABV, Beer Advocate gives it a score of 82. In the past, I've had this beer at PJ Carney's and City Field. Run. this is Bushwick Pilsner from Braven Brewing Company. Liked beer? So I uh, take a sip. I mean, you've had it before. I assume you enjoy it. Just crushable. That crushable. is a crushable Pilsner. And you know why having a crushable beer is so important right now, Brian? Tell me why, Ron. Because it's Hot Podcaster Summer. Hot Podcaster Summer. <sighs> I love Hot Podcaster Summer. It's really my favorite time of the year. It really is the best time of the year. Ron? Yes. 
What are you drinking? Uh, so I uh, I pulled something out of the fridge uh, from our good friends at Weldworks Brewing Company out of Greeley, Colorado. The reason I did, Brian, I was out uh, at a uh, at a, a place today, and I had a beer from Weldworks, a collaboration with. Uh, other hands, other half brewing here in Philadelphia. It was a extra, extra broccoli double IPA. And uh, it was, it did not have broccoli in it. Don't know why there's broccoli in the name, but it was, it was just way over the top hobby, just not enjoyable. But then I realized I had a can from Weldworks in one of my Tavor uh, shipments. And this is their German chocolate cake stout uh, mixed with their milk stout, Brian. It's a milk stout with pecans, coconut, dark chocolate, milk sugar, vanilla, and natural flavors. It is clocking in um, pretty low for a stout, only 5.5%, uh, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's definitely dark like a piece of German chocolate cake. Let's have a sip here and see. That looks beautiful. It's not bad. It's, you know, it's a little too sweet. If I, if too I were sweet. Too sweet. I mean, again, you're getting, you definitely get the chocolate flavor. Um, you get the coconut. Um, you get the lactose, which I know you're a big fan of, uh, but just really too sweet. Which is odd because I, you know, it's, I, I think as you get older, your, your, your taste buds become a little bit more refined. I, I think when you're in your 20s or, or, and younger, you are just all about, you know, how sweet can this be? Right. Now it's just like, you know what? No, there are things that are too sweet. Um, a lot of comments uh, from last week, uh, Janelle, hopefully hoping my beer isn't over five years old. This one's actually relatively new and even said on the can, keep cold, drink now. And Billy apparently liking the extra half uh, broccoli beers. Now, is that the um, is we that have the, an international the commenter uh, saying as an Italian, it surprises me how famous beer is in other countries. It's, it's all we have here to, to drown our sorrows in week after week. I think beers is 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 a global um it's a global beverage. And Allie, bringing uh, the hot questions to the table right off the bat. Why does hot podcaster summer? Hot podcaster summer. <sighs> Start three weeks before summer for everyone else. That's because that's how special hot podcaster summer. Hot podcaster summer. <sighs> is I mean the we. World. We did once have a hot, um, hot podcaster pre-summer soundbite. Right. Um, it it was not well received by the masses. It nope. did not. Um, uh, it didn't score well. The Q rating was quite low for hot podcaster pre-summer. And then when we rolled out hot podcaster summer, hot podcaster summer. <laughs> I mean. Through the roof. Yes. Through the roof. I mean, it. I, it, do you remember when we had that gentleman who was living in Upper Manhattan um, that basically took his family hostage because um, uh, it, we had crossed Labor Day and no longer were we playing Hot Podcaster Summer? Hot Podcaster Summer. <sighs> and um, he actually, uh, you know, it, through the police negotiators, the hostage negotiators, they, you know, just cream of the crop with the NYPD. Um, uh, the, the only way he was going to let his children go free was that if you were to take the train up to New York yep. um, and, and, and do that soundbite again, hot podcaster summer. I don't want to overdo it too much. God damn it. Um, <laughs> and then I would be on all fours lubed up with a uh, ball gag in my mouth, 
while I, I, I made that noise afterwards. All right. I mean, I think there's nothing we can follow that up with except for beef of the week. Ron and Brian's beef of the week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? You know, I'm going to throw out there a petty. Um, it feels petty. It feels very petty. Um, as uh, you know, uh, a, a loyal listener of the show uh, would know. Um, this past weekend, I went down to Atlantic City for the AC Beer and Music Festival. Um, it's a tradition I like to do every year. Was not able to go last year. This year, um, our friends over at Ocean Hotel. We're so kind enough to reach out and say, hey, listen, we'd like you to go. Here are some, uh, uh, we'd like to give you some some VIP tickets. So um, you were unable to attend this weekend. I was. Which was. I was tied up, unfortunately. It was disappointing. I know that they had given us four tickets. They wanted it to be, um, you know, uh, be able to say Ron and Brian um, were uh, uh, attending. Uh, however, so. Um, in Atlantic City, what they do is they take over Bader Field, which is the old um, airport space. I saw Metallica um, do their Orion Fest there probably, ooh, I'm going to say about 10 years ago, possibly more. Um, and uh, so it, there's over 100 different brewers, um, each one set up under a tent with a table, um, providing you with two ounce pours, depending on you know how generous the pour is sometimes right. you get a little bit more but it's a two ounce pour um and you get to try there's 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 hundreds of beers some of these brewers show up with eight different beers some of them have special um uh, uh taps that you know uh come back at uh four o'clock we're going to be uh you know uh, we've got a small uh, amount of this you know special beer whatnot um since we had the VIP um, access, we were able to um, get 30-minute um, uh, entry prior to the general admission entry. Um, so we got in at 1.30 and really um, had basically the, uh, you know, the entire festival grounds almost to ourselves. We, you know, there was no line. We were able to just walk up to any brewer, um, get a, a poor sample, a couple, move on to the next one. Glorious half an hour. Um, let's put it this way. Um before two o'clock, I was already um, uh, feeling inebriation. Nice. That's uh, in thirty minutes. Just, right. just really putting it down. This is my beef. Once the general admission um, uh, peasants, as we were calling them, right, um, uh, entered, from that point on, throughout the entirety of the beer festival, from two to six o'clock, there was at any brewer. I would say a minimum of 15 to 20 people waiting in line for a beer, which if, if Way they were long. giving, yeah, if they were giving you a 12 ounce beer and you could just sure. walk around sipping it, that would be one thing, but it is absolutely ludicrous to ask me to wait in line 10 minutes for a two ounce pour of a beer. I would it agree was, you. Um, you know, had we not gotten in a half an hour early and um, uh, filled our bellies with with lovely, you know, uh, uh, hoppy beverages, um, uh, it was um, it was a great time. But, you know, uh, you know, having had the ability to just experience no lines, 
the lines were just way too long. And that was my beef. So basically, you know, after two o'clock roll by, I did not have much uh, 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 beer. See, one thing you you have to say about our good friends over at uh, at Broken Goblet Brewing, when we go to <clears throat> Hoppy Halloween every mm-hmm. October, um, they they cap the ticket sales at a number to where I think uh, I've never been more than like two or three, yeah. uh, two or three people ahead of me in line. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just very quick getting to the different beers. So yeah. I, I agree with your frustration there. That's my beef of the week. Ron. Right, yes. What's bothering you? So this week, Brian, it is, uh, it is the availability of old TV shows on streaming services. Um, I think, uh, some of you will remember when the pandemic began years ago, uh, my wife decided to rewatch uh, all of Dawson's Creek on Netflix, all seven or eight seasons. And I was subject to sitting there uh, watching, you know, Dawson, Pacey, um, Jen, uh, Jughead, I think was one of them. But again, having to watch all of those. Uh, for for just uh, weeks on end was just painful, and now Brian, uh, I thought, I thought maybe that was the worst show I would ever watch. Uh, but now uh, she has found Felicity on Hulu Ooh. and is now going through. Yeah, and uh, Matt's shaking his head because he's he's a big Carrie Russell fan. Uh, sure. But watching Felicity makes me long for the days of Dawson's Creek. Can you walk me through, because I have never seen an episode of Felicity. Right. Can you walk me through the plot? Um, Give me the elevator pitch. The plot is a bunch of college kids um, with uh, maturity levels of 50-year-olds, even though they're in their teens and 20s. Sure. Um uh, with uh, basically everything you could want in life, finding ways to uh, be upset with their lives. Okay, where does it take place? Um, New York, I believe. Okay. Um, what is, is, is Felicity's the main character? Correct. That's Carrie Russell. Now, has she cut her hair yet? At, uh, at not yet. This is, this is very early. Yes. Um, and uh, how many episodes have you watched so far? How deep into I, it? Are I we? watched. Uh, I watched two today, just sitting there uh, on my phone while she. Because unfortunately, if she's like, "Do you want to watch anything?" I'll be like, "No, nah, I don't feel like watching anything." And then she'll be like, "Would you mind if I put on Felicity?" And sure. you know, I'm like, "All right, just you know, it's mindless background noise." Sure. So. Yes, uh, Allie, right on, uh, right on point here. Uh, she picked a school based on a, a dude, Ben. Uh, ben, I've picked up uh, is the love of her life, even though right now she's dating Noel. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I is there any? And it's it's multiple seasons. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm sure. I, I think it probably went like five, six, or seven seasons. Um, I'll be I'll be traveling for work the next couple of days, so I will be thankfully missing many episodes of Felicity. Um, so, uh, will you be available for an update on Felicity and Ben next Sunday? <laughs> Possibly. We'll see. We'll see how many uh, how many episodes I actually sit through uh, this upcoming week. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's uh we It got feels our... like your beef is not old shows on streaming services, but it really feels like your beef is your wife. No, Brian, no. 
She is uh, she is the best thing that ever happened to me, Brian. She just has questionable taste in uh, TV shows at times. That is the beef, though. Well, it is, is the beef. But if it wasn't it's... available, Brian, you know, it's like it's like saying Matt's a bad guy because he does a lot of cocaine. It's that would be like blaming the that that'd be like blaming Matt when in when in essence the availability of the cocaine is what you blame it on. I'm going to say something. You've convinced me. All right, perfect. You you have convinced me that absolutely is um uh a, a, the the proper way to look at it. All right, um, we've got stories of the week, Brian. You, we always try and pick a, a story each that we want to make sure sure doesn't fall through the cracks, and uh, we want to make sure it gets the appropriate coverage. Uh, Brian, what's the story that you're bringing to the table this week? Um, Ron, for my story, we are going all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, where over the past two weeks, over 30 children have vanished. 30, three zero. Yes. Um, the actual number so far right now the, the uh, that is being used by uh, police chief John Majoy is over 27 children have been reported missing in the greater Cleveland area in the past two weeks. Um, it has been uh, referred to as a distressing number. It is something police have never seen before. They um, have said there is a huge concern in the local police uh, department uh, as to why children are missing at this un unprecedented clip. Obviously, they said, you know, there is going to be a percentage of those missing children that are um, running away from home. Right. Um, you know, we, we won't know until, you know, those kids come back. And obviously we want all those children to return. Um, you know, we certainly, uh, you know, uh, it was earlier, uh, you know, uh, heard that a lot of people on the internet are, are putting an over under bet on the actual right. number of children that go missing in Cleveland. That's I mean, cool. just, it, it's disgusting. It just, you know, it's disgusting me what, what humanity is capable of. Um, but my story is that there are 30 children missing in Cleveland. Um, uh, f uh, direct, you know, families, friends are reporting that, you know, they're searching for the missing loved ones. All these children are ranged from age from 12 to 17. Um, and uh, there's uh, we have absolutely no understanding as to why it's happening. And it's not getting a lot of coverage in the news. Now, well, again, don't forget, Cleveland is also the location of the uh, Ariel Castro kidnappings. Uh, where he was able to hold three women captive for over a decade. Years, yes. So and maybe, that dude, maybe the that Cleveland dude committed suicide, the, too. Uh, he did, yes. Maybe the Cleveland police aren't the best people to be handling this right now. Listen, Ron, this is not a time to to, to start bashing police officers. All right. You know, I, I, I back the blue. Okay. I do have a uh, black and white American flag with a blue stripe running through the center of it um, uh, hanging outside of my apartment right now. Um, I will not allow you to besmirch the um, uh, police department of Cleveland. Ron. Yes. Seeing as you are unable to um, find any of those lost children, I think a good use of your time right now would be to tell me what your story of the week is. So my story of the week, Brian, it goes, uh, we're going down to Maryland for this one, uh, where roughly 800,000 Maryland drivers with license plates uh, designed to commemorate the War of 1812 are actually inadvertently advertising a website for an online casino based in the Philippines. 
Um, we've got a, a photo of the license plate here. Um, in 2012, to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the War of 1812, Maryland redesigned its standard license plate to read Maryland War of 1812 um, and then have the URL www.starspangle200.org printed at the bottom. Um, these were issued to every driver from 2012 to 2016. Uh, apparently, someone forgot to renew the domain name um, in, the, in the Maryland state government. Um, it, used to, uh, it used to drive people to a website talking about how Francis Scott Key was inspired to write the Star Spangled Banner. And now instead, uh, it shows a blinking bikini-clad woman advertising Philippines' best betting site. Question. How many people in, in do you believe in Maryland have actually deposited money on that website um, in the hopes of um, video chatting with that woman? Um, I, I'm going to just clicking off. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, the number's probably up there. I'm going to say about twenty five thousand. Now, is this a specialty license plate that you have to go out and um, pay extra for? This was not a specialty license plate. This was an updated design that they uh, that they put out starting in 2012 and used for four years uh, until they uh, they changed the design. Interesting. Well, all right, Marilyn. Question, Ron. Have you ever had a um, license plate personalized? Uh, I have not. I have never really uh, thought of anything that would be worth the money to personalize a license plate. Okay. What about yourself? I mean, for the short period of time that you were driving. No, I read something very early, you know, many, many years ago that you do not want to have a personalized license plate because it is easier for people to remember um, that, you know, if your license plate was like Poonhound, um, everybody would be, you know, as soon as people saw that license plate, they would sit there and be like, oh, Poonhound. So that if you were driving and smashed into an 87 year old woman, um, as right. your car tires bounced over her body, crushing her to death um, as she turned her body into a measly stew, um, everybody would be like, yeah, they would be like, do you remember anything about the car? People behind you, yep, poonhound. And now they know exactly who you are. While if your license plate is a random, uh, randomly generated string of letters and numbers, right. people would not be able to automatically remember your license plate. So you're saying uh, having Ebola out on Poonhound would be like worst case scenario. Correct. Nice, uh, nice Seinfeld reference from Janelle. Oh, I love the, the Seinfeld. Ashman. Are you the Ashman? Ah, <laughs> uh, that was so good. Um, Billy says one of his friends has kayfabe for his license plate. See, now that – and I always felt that if I were to be a driver, I would absolutely um, hit and run. Really? Yeah, I don't see myself like if I were driving and I just slam into like some guy and watch him like go flying off the side. I think I'm I think I'm hitting the gas and just driving away. You're just out I of can't here. Can't help it. My instinct has always been just like get the fuck out of here real fast. So in a fight or flight situation, you're choosing flight 99% of the time. Well, no, I mean, once you've driven, once you've hit somebody with your vehicle <laughs> and they're on the ground, I don't think there's a fight there, Ron. <laughs> the fight's um, over. The, f the fight would be um, when I'm locked up in jail right. and, you know, suddenly my uh, virgin rectum is, is being passed around uh, uh, by the uh, 12 guys that are locked up in my cell. That's the fight. Who's going to who's going to who's going to make me their bitch first? That's what people will be fighting over.
That would be a, that would be a good over under. How many people would make you their bitch uh, within your first week of being in prison? I would say four. Um, over over under as to how many <laughs> how many centimeters your anus would be dilated after a week in prison. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow, Janelle bringing the heat, saying you run away from your own shadow. I don't. I don't think that's fair. I think that's yeah. a, that's that's a that's a slight exaggeration. A little bit, a little bit. Yes. Um, let's get into some of the other stories we have for this sure. week. Uh, months ago, uh, I'm sure many of you remember uh, the uh, there was the story about the 10 year old rape victim from Ohio uh, who was unable to get an abortion in Ohio due. She to ran away the, from uh, Cleveland, correct? To, uh, I, possibly, very possibly. Um, but due to the uh, the new abortion laws that were passed after the repeal of Roe v. Wade um, and a, uh, a doctor from Indiana who treated the girl had uh, had drawn national attention to herself after speaking publicly about the case. Um, now she has been reprimanded by the Indiana Medical Licensing Board. Um, this is after the state's Republican attorney general filed a complaint about her talking about the case, saying that it violated HIPAA laws. Um, a majority of board members found that she had violated privacy laws and voted to fine her $3,000 uh, in addition to the reprimand. Is there a crowdfunding out there that we can um, contribute not, money for her? I think we should uh, we should find her. This is Dr. Caitlin Bernard. Uh, at the hearing last Thursday, she said she spoke out about the case to inform the public about the impact of state abortion laws taking effect across the United States. Okay, and that she's not related to Caitlin Bernard, the Canadian actress. Uh, I am not familiar with Caitlin Bernard. Who's on The Sinners, also uh, uh, acted in The Healer, Father's Nightmare, Mom's Day Away, Home Home Killing Queen. Uh, No, not familiar with that at all. I did not realize you were such a fan of Canadian actresses. I'm going to say this to you. Um, I think that due to their lax um, production laws and taxes, uh, I think uh, some of our finest acting is being performed uh, north of the border. Interesting. All right. I mean, I, I respect your opinion. Do you? I don't think that's ever been the case. It always has been. I always respect your opinion, regardless of how uh, wrong it may be. I respect your opinion. <laughs> I respect your opinion. Nice. All right. That's fair. All right. Going that's down fair. to Tennessee, uh, a Tennessee woman who was denied an emergency abortion for her life-threatening ectopic pregnancy ultimately became infertile and was forced to have an emergency hysterectomy to save her life. Um, the woman, Mayron Hollis, gave birth prematurely through a cesarean delivery. Uh, but for the last several months now, her infant has been in, in and out of the hospital um, as her as Hollis's staggering medical bills continue to pile up. Fucking frightening. I mean, it, it is. is absolutely frightening the um, uh, uh, the rush to um, restriction that the, uh, uh, the 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 right has uh, leapt forward um, almost in a, a, a leapfrog style of who can who can put out a more restrictive law on abortion, um, obviously knowing that it's going to be uh, uh, dragged into the courts. Right. Um, like it's just, it is, uh, and, and, and what's, this isn't a theoretical um, argument. These are, real lives are being affected. Women are um, 
women are, their lives are, uh, their safety is being jeopardized because the states that they live in are prioritizing an unborn um, uh, glob of cells over their life. Right. And in, in this particular case, uh, Hollis and her husband, uh, they'd had their first child in February of 2022. Uh, she became pregnant again shortly thereafter, uh, which concerned doctors because she had had a cesarean delivery. And when you become pregnant again within that short period of time, uh, you increase the risk of a cesarean scar pregnancy. It's a type of ectopic pregnancy in which the embryo implants in the cesarean scar from her previous uh, C-section. In August, she learned that her pregnancy, she did have that. Uh, her pregnancy was already bulging out of her uterus and that she had a placenta accreta, a life-threatening pregnancy complication that occurs when the placenta grows too deeply inside of the uterine wall. Um, she, uh, she tried to go to Pittsburgh to uh, have an abortion uh, because again, because the laws in Tennessee not only restricted her from getting an abortion, mm -hmm. but would have punished her if she had left the state. Um, just to, and then it, everything just snowballed to her having to have a hysterectomy. And now, uh, thanks to laws designed to protect life, uh, she will not be able to have children again. Tragic. That is a tragic story. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's I, I, there's no other word for it. That is just tragic. So, Jesus, yeah. that is a depressing story. Right. Uh, and as Ali rightfully says, abortion is health care, literally. And in this yeah. woman's case, 100% true. Wow. Okay. Um, America, there's, there's literally one thing to do, and that is to go to your, um, go to your voting booths, you know, when it comes time to vote. And vote for candidates that will represent the views that you have. Um, you know, we, we, we don't have a lot in this country. I know we like to talk about ourselves as being the freest people on earth. Um, really not the, um, the case. Um, but one thing we do have is the right to vote into and out of power our representatives in, um, in state governments, local governments, federal governments. Um, that vote is the uh, is the most powerful thing that you have, um, and a, a tragic number of Americans do not use it on a regular basis. Without um, a doubt, and I you have the ability if, to uh, to vote from by mail, especially here in Pennsylvania. Um, you have, uh, I think, another three months to register to get your mm -hmm. mail in ballot. But wherever you are, just double check because. Um, just having been registered for voting before doesn't mean that you might not have been expunged from rolls because um, that's what that's that's the playbook for the GOP uh, for the GOP is to try and get people kicked that are registered for voting to be not registered. So you can't vote when you try mm -hmm. and go vote. Just saying. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very concerning. I want to, we forgot to put this story on the main agenda, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. You, you have a, uh, a very unique political, constitutional view on life. I know I'm always interested to hear your thoughts on things. The listeners are always interested to hear your take sure. on different things. So I want to give you this, this story uh, from a, a township called Long Lake Township, uh, a gentleman by the name of Todd Maxson. Uh, he apparently liked to collect cars, fix them up. Uh, he had a number of cars on his property, apparently more 
than the township uh, ordinances would allow. Um, he had paid a fine one time and said he would keep his uh, number of cars under control. Um, then his neighbors started to complain. So the township spied on his car collection with a drone. And now it is up to the state Supreme Court to decide if uh, the township violated his rights by flying drones over his property um, without any type of permit, warrant, what have you. I wanted Mm. to get your thoughts on this. Okay. Did they fly the drone above his property, directly above his property, or did they fly a drone over a neighbor's property and angle the camera over towards his property? Uh, uh, according to this article, and he has a very large plot of land, so they had to fly it over his property once in 2017 and again in 2018. I mean, I think what we're talking about here is, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, the uh, the introduction of, uh, of of drone use. I mean, if they were standing on the on the outside edge of his property on land and were able to look into his property, that would be absolutely legal. They're not allowed um, onto his property. However, if they're flying above, like what are the air rights to a piece right. of land is and really I, what it boils down to. And I think that's what the township is arguing is, you know, if you own a, a plot of land, you know, at what point does your property, right property end? rights rights end? I think that number has to be um, determined. Because okay. the thing being is the fact that like, you know, where does this go? What is the extreme? You can announce that an airline does not have the right to fly over your land, 30,000 feet in the air, at which point you are absolutely, you know, practically unaware that that airplane is flying above your land. Right. You know, and at the same time, you're sitting in your backyard with Mrs. Ron enjoying an adult beverage after making your world famous burgers. Um, you know, and suddenly are the police allowed to just fly a drone two feet above your head? It seems like they there shouldn't be is, it's, They shouldn't be able to, but there is a point at which point your logical um, claim for air rights over your land has to end. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, again, I think it's, I think it's borderline illegal, but again, you know, you can't own the airspace over your property. Uh, it's, it's a very, I think, kind of gray legal area. So we will see. I feel that it will not stop at the Michigan Supreme Court. It's probably something that I think will escalate uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court at some point. Does the article state how many cars he had? Uh, I do feel not. like I do feel like if the answer is four and he's got a large piece of property, we don't have a problem. But if we're talking like, you know, 86. <laughs> I don't I, I want to say it was more than 10. I don't know if it hit 86, but it was probably in the ballpark of like 15 to 20. Were any of them um, wheelless and on um, uh, uh, cinder blocks? According to the article, a number of them uh, would start uh, when he would put the key in and turn them. So they were the majority of them were, were working vehicles. How do they know that he would put the key in and turn them on if they were not spying on him? This was the, the, the initial inspection um, Got it. The, prior to them doing the drone uh, afterwards. 
you know what? Until we come to a, a uh, an understanding of how far your vertical rights to your land are, I think you have to side with this guy. I would agree with you on that. But we'll and keep I an do eye believe, yeah. what happens. Absolutely. Is there anybody betting the over-under on how many feet above your land your <laughs> air rights claim is? We will talk to DraftKings and see if we can get some uh, a parlay together on that. Ooh, you know I love a good parlay. You do. Brian, we started a new segment last week, which has already uh, swept the internet. It has gone viral in the past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called, But the Drag Queens Are the Problem. Of course, um, of course. You know, at first when we started this, we were like, will this have legs? Will there be stories that we can point to uh, each and every week? Um, mm-hmm. And sure enough, I think we've got two this week. Brian, which one would you like to start off with? Um, I would think we should start off with uh, the uh, listen, you know me. I like to always go with Pennsylvania. Any yeah. opportunity I have to put you on the hot seat and make <laughs> you defend your state. Um, that's always going to get my vote. All right. No problem. Um, so uh, this uh, is uh, the in the Elizabethtown area middle school, a paraprofessional by the name of Megan Carlisle. Uh, we've got a mugshot for her right here. Uh, she is a 37 year old teacher's assistant. She was fired for allegedly having sex with a 15-year-old student after sending the boy nude photos of herself on Snapchat. Um, She allegedly fondled the boy while he was under her watch during an in-school suspension uh, on April 28th. Carlisle allegedly had reached out to the boy on Snapchat after school let out on the day of the in-school suspension. The two allegedly began discussing sex on the app and Carlisle sent explicit images of herself to the boy and his 16 year old friend. Uh, that night, the woman then allegedly picked up the boy in her car and they drove to an empty parking lot where they had sex. Um, afterwards, the school employee allegedly sent the boy $20 for food and purchased him vape pods, which she gave him on the next day. Jesus, his dick game must be good. <laughs> So she was arrested. I mean, she's the- giving him food money and she's buying and him she's buying pods. pods. I mean, he dicked her down. Good. So Carlisle was arrested on May 25th. Uh, she remains jailed in the Lancaster County Prison. Excuse me, Lancaster County Prison with a $200,000 bail. I thought prison was where you went after you had been found guilty and jail is where you're held while you have outstanding charges, but there has not been any trial yet. I've got no answers for you. I always thought that was the distinction. I, I would agree with you. Maybe, they don't, have, maybe they don't have a jail in Lancaster. It is Pennsylvania. It is. You never know. You know, for, for a time period there, I didn't think that they had internet out in Lancaster, but <laughs> um, I, was, I was proven wrong. Um, yeah, people. So, you know, the drag queens are the problem, but... Um, you know, teachers right now in their mid-30s having sex with, uh, how old was the boy? Uh, 15. 15-year-old boy um, uh, fondling him in school, and I'm not hearing any Republican outrage against the teacher profession. So um, drag queens are the problem, apparently. Well, Brian, uh, not just in uh, in the United States, not just in Pennsylvania, going uh, all the way across the world to Australia. Uh, we've got a, a similar situation there. Uh, this is Chelsea Jane Edwards. 
uh, a 28-year-old teacher at Indorupilly State High School in Brisbane, Australia. They will just name yeah. schools anything. Atrocious. It's atrocious. Um, so she was charged in March with two counts of grooming and one count of indecent treatment of a child under 16. Um, she apparently had contact with the child on various occasions from July to September 2022 when the grooming offenses allegedly began. Uh, the state ac uh, accuses her of, quote, willfully exposing the child to an indecent photo in September. Uh, the documents further allege that she engaged in conduct with the intent to procure the child to engage in a sexual act in Queensland between July 7th and September 14th. Um, did she send him $20 for food? Uh, it does not appear that way, no. Did she send by him any vape pods? Uh, not, uh, not according to this article. Does so, the story mention at any point whether she bought him a switchblade or not? No, does not. A switchblade. Interesting. Because um, I, I, my understanding is that when she showed him the switchblade that she bought him, he said, that's not a knife. Now this is a knife. And then he pulled out a, uh, a huge blade from behind his back. You didn't see that one coming? I, you know, I should have. I you should, should have, have absolutely seen that not. coming. I'm actually that a little is, disappointed in myself. You absolutely, I'm Ron. I'm disappointed in you that you did not see that crocodile Dundee reference. Uh, just, just telegraphed. Yes. Uh, let's have a let's have a uplifting, heartwarming story, Brian. Uh, Al Please. Pacino announced this week that he is going to be a father again at the uh, the young age of 83. 83, you say? 83, and he has impregnated his 29-year-old girlfriend. All righty. And this... Uh, This follows uh, the recent story of Robert De Niro just having a newborn child at age 79. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hold on. Did, <laughs> Not does De Niro get to say that one? No, much less. The crowd cares much less about De Niro. Um, like, okay. We are both uh, 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 white males over the age of 50, correct? Uh, we are, correct. Okay, now. Um what type of ejaculate is coming out of an 83-year-old man? Now, obviously, um, you know, I don't know about you, Ron, but I have not watched a lot of uh, uh, pornography uh, with starring men who are in their 80s. I said I haven't watched a lot. That doesn't mean I haven't not, I have not watched any. Right. That would be a lie, and I do not lie on this podcast. It's always the truth. I have watched some. I have not watched a lot. I'm trying to see if you're in your – if you're 83 – just first off, I can't even imagine the dosage of Viagra you have to take to achieve an erection. Then it's like, what is the viability of the, and I'll keep in mind, I will it acknowledge, they're both Italian men who are known for their virility. Okay. Okay. I'll cut them, you know, okay, I'll cut them a little slack here. But what is the quality of the sperm that is existing in Al Pacino's um, uh, ejaculate at the age of 83? Um, listen, apparently it's it's potable. Apparently it's good enough. 
See, potable, that means it can be drunk. It, it, it can be, it, you can drink okay. it. All right, well, I mean, well, apparently, <laughs> well, she wasn't drinking it if yeah. she's pregnant. Like, clearly, that's not where it was going, Ron. Now, uh, do you think that he and uh, and and Bobby, as we, you know, his friends, friends Bobby like you call him Bobby, do you think that he and Bobby were um, planning on, 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 you know, becoming fathers around the same time? Maybe so. I mean, what's interesting is, so uh, Pacino has a 33-year-old daughter with Jan Tarrant. Uh, so his daughter is four years older uh, than his girlfriend. Oh, so awkward. And his girlfriend, prior to dating Pacino, she also reportedly dated Mick Jagger when Mick was 74 and she was 22. And she also dated another, like a, a billionaire, I believe. She dated a 60-year-old billionaire, Nicholas Berggren. Listen, kudos to this woman. She clearly has a type. She wants older men who are going to be able to afford a lifestyle for her. But what... You know, for for both De Niro and Pacino, like they are, it feels like they're literally setting these children up for childhood trauma. Because think about like, think about if you were six, right? If your dad Mm -hmm. died when you were six. No, he died when I was 50. Understood. I'm just saying if when you were six, if your dad had died, wouldn't that impact you? Wouldn't that like. Yes. So what are the I think this. These, but, these but, kids are gonna. These kids are gonna be dealing with the deaths of their fathers so early in their life. This is the selfishness of the Al Pacino and of De Niro, who are literally only thinking of how can I get a twenty-some odd woman into bed naked for me to have sex with, and then the um, the 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 pompous um, uh, uh, egotism to sit there and be like, yes. I'm going to become a. I'm I'm going to bring in a, a life into this world right now. Ron, what do you think is the appropriate age when somebody should stop having children? You know, I I don't know that uh, that's that's for me to judge, Brian. But it it feels like it feels like if you were have a, a greater chance of dying before your kid is an adult, um, mm-hmm. maybe you need to kind of revisit that. Okay. So just saying. I don't disagree with you. I, I mean, oh, I, I don't know that there's a, a specific age, but I do think that, I mean, this is, you know, 83. This is, you're, you're not ready to be a father anymore. Like I'm 52 now and I feel like I would be too old to have a kid. Yeah. Because like, do I want to be, do I want to be the 70 year old dad at my kid's high school graduation? The answer well, I mean, if, if you're, it, if you're interested in trying to pick up some of his classmates or her classmates <laughs> oh, there you on, go. on the gender of your child. I mean, they could be a they. It could be a they. I don't want to say his or her. It could right. be they. But, like, maybe you want to hit on, on their classmates. Uh, Brian, another segment we started a few weeks back. We haven't had an entry in a while. Uh, a little something we like to call fuck around and mm-hmm. find out. Brian, you you found a story this week. I'd really like you to, to talk about uh, what happened with this particular story. This story takes us all the way out to Queens, New York, one of the five boroughs often overlooked when people think about New York City, one of the most populous boroughs in the city, also um, clearly the most ethnically diverse uh, borough in New York City. We are going out to um, the Kew Gardens section 
of Queens, uh, uh, known for its uh, diversity, we'll call it. A 65-year-old man shot and killed a younger man who tried to rob him in a Queens parking lot 2 a.m. early last Wednesday morning. Cops say the gunfire erupted around 2 a.m. on 82nd Avenue in Kew Gardens, literally blocks away from the Queens Criminal Court, when a 32-year-old victim approached the older man with a sharp object. Police said he demanded cash and cigarettes, though are not currently sure what the sharp object was. The 65-year-old man reached into his jacket, pulled out a gun, fired a few shots at the alleged thief, striking him several times in the chest. Police were immediately called, and the 32-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene. According to the superintendent of the uh, building which owned the parking lot, he had a gun in his hand, gave him ample time to retreat, go the other way, and the guy was just not budging, said um, um, after a surveillance video of the incident. Listen, Ron, I'm not encouraging vigilanteism. No, because it feels like you have in the past. Not at all. But I am going to say fuck around and find out. Um, it, it, seeing a 65-year-old man walking uh, through a parking lot is not an invitation for crime. Um, if you are walking the streets and you are looking to rob, mug, um, uh, attack people, um, it is time that there is a sense of fear that is um, put back into your brain. Um, here's a guy who thought that this uh, old man was just uh, uh, easy pickings. And uh, is no longer uh, on this mortal coil. Um, And I shed not one tear for him. All right. That's your prerogative. I mean, you do have to you do have to be careful when you fuck around, because a lot of times you will find out. You do find out. Uh, Brian, you and I both Apple fans, both use their products, Uh, their TV, uh, iPads. We're both recording uh, this on uh, MacBooks right now. And uh, back in April, uh, they launched a high yield savings account uh, with an annual uh, percentage yield of 4.15% in partnership with Goldman Sachs. Uh, But a month later, some account holders are apparently struggling to move their money out of the account. Uh, Mm -hmm. Georgia resident Nathan Thacker told the Wall Street Journal that he has been trying to transfer $1,700 from his Apple account to J.P. Morgan Chase since May 15th. Um, Every time he tried to contact Goldman's customer service department, Thacker was told to give it a few days. Uh, The money finally hit his Chase account last week, but only after the Wall Street Journal contacted Goldman Sachs. Well, apparently this is uh, this is becoming a big issue uh, with a number of people. I will say for anyone that has had to use the Goldman Sachs customer service for their Apple card, um, it is absolutely horrible. So, Ron, you had any experience with the uh, with Goldman Sachs uh, customer service? No, I I do, which is why I no longer have my Apple card. I still have mine. And how is it? Uh, I used it a couple times and uh, it's perfectly fine. All right. Um, so this is interesting. At the end of the launch week, uh, there was about 240,000 accounts opened, customers depositing $1 billion in the first four days. Um, listen, anytime you know you are sending some of your money to a uh, uh, an institution, you are always running the risk of how do I get this money out of the institution? I mean, I think we all uh, remember uh, the great movie with uh, Johnny Depp uh, that was uh, Blow, where he uh, brought all of his um, you know uh, illicitly uh, obtained money 
down to Panama, where he thought it was going to be safe. And um, suddenly the government just uh, uh, closed the banks and kept all the cash. So you taught me the lesson. So you taught me the lesson. Goldman Sachs with Panama is what you're saying. Panama. Oh, 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 oh. Matt just Sorry walked that, out. Right? Apparently, his mom works for Goldman Sachs. He he took that last story very personally. Well, now we understand where, how he can afford all that cocaine. <laughs> That's very true. His very, mother's very true. Uh, his mother is purchasing all that cocaine for her for him. Um, Brian, it seems we go back and forth week to week uh, over whether we have stories from Florida, whether we have stories from Texas. Uh, this week it is Florida. Um, a tragic story, this one. A Florida mother was busy shoplifting inside of a department store uh, when her car suddenly burst into flames with her two children trapped inside. Uh, Alicia Moore, 24 years old, parked her car outside the Dillard's department store at the Oviedo Mall on May 26th um, with her two young children inside. She went inside with a man who had not been identified, he allegedly mm-hmm. began stealing from the store. And nearly an hour later, so she left these kids who could not care for themselves, should not have been left unattended, left them for an hour and found the car engulfed in a massive blaze. Now, thankfully... Yeah, this is rough. Um, this is a rough story. Thankfully, uh, shoppers and witnesses uh, helped rescue the children inside. Uh, One child suffered first-degree burns to the face and ears. Uh, The other suffered uh, smoke inhalation uh, and uh, thankfully no major burns. Um, She was arrested and charged with aggravated child neglect and arson, as well as petty theft and battery charges. Uh, She's currently being held in Seminole County Jail on a $48,000 bond. There you go. I mean, um, what would you do to her? I mean, that's I you got to take you got to take the kids away. No, I, I have a feeling that's uh, that's probably I, let me see if it says in the story. Uh, it doesn't really say. I mean, obviously, with her being in, in jail, the kids are probably somewhere in the in the foster care system, which is always a roll of the dice, too. It's so. tragic. And I don't know. It's it, you know, you hear so many tragic stories coming out of it. And if she was, if she's being charged with arson, then she she must have done something that led to the fire in the car. Like I don't know if sure. she left a cigarette burning or something, but it clearly um, the police feel that she's responsible for the fire starting in some way, shape, or form. Also, tragic, just a tragic story. Um, also, uh, a couple of weeks back, there was a story about uh, a Florida parent who had Amanda Gorman's poem uh, removed from school. Um, it was uh, the poem, The Hill We Climb, um, was removed from a local elementary school. And now the parent, Daly Salinas, uh, admitted uh, she never really read the poem. We, have got, we are becoming a stupid country. Becoming? I mean, yeah. I'm going to say we've hit that. We've no, it's, hit it's, that. we are, so we are, we are pulling works of literature, literature. We are pulling works of literature from schools based on the complaints of people who haven't actually even exposed themselves to it. Yeah. And she, she not only complained about that, she complained about other children's titles, such as the ABCs of Black History, Cuban Kids, Countries in the News, Cuba, and Love to Langston, um, because they included, quote, references of critical race theory, indirect hate messages, and gender ideology and indoctrination. Um, 
In a May 24th interview with the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, Salinas was asked about her book challenges as well as, shockingly, anti-Semitic content found on her Facebook page, including a a disturbing post with a list of steps for how, quote, Jewish Zionists would achieve world domination, including, quote, replace royal rule with socialist rule, then communism, then despotism, and sacrifice people, including Jews sometimes, when necessary. Uh, For the interview, (sighs) Salinas, who says she has a deep opposition to communism due to her Cuban heritage, admitted that she hadn't read her questionable post beyond the word communism. Um, She also noted that English is not her first language. And that apparently uh, she loves the Jewish community. Sure about that? I mean, I, I just can't with Florida. It's really out of control. It's genuinely out of control. The um, the desire to force an agenda on on um, on other people. Like whatever happened to um, these are just my views, and I don't really care. Right. It's now like these are my views, and everybody has to now live under 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 what's convenient for me and what and, and what I look at. It's fucking like, ludicrous. Like it's okay to disagree, but why do you have to? Well, no, it's not, it, well, no I'm saying like it's okay. Like in theory, it's okay to disagree. Why? Why take these these books and these poems? Like if you don't want your kid reading the poem, then don't have them read the poem. Why sure. feel that you should be the the judge, jury, and executioner deciding what content should be allowed out there? Because we are so um, empowered to um, uh, stand up and shout out our views as if they are correct. It's wild. It's absolutely yeah. wild to me. Ron, can I ask you a question? Uh, well, that depends what that question is, Brian. What are you watching? What am I watching? Actually, I only watched one thing this week, Brian, and it was the curious case of Natalia Grace on um, – on the ID channel, uh, excuse me, the curious case of Natalie Grace, no, or Natalia, depends who you uh, who you talk who you're talking to. So it is the story about. Is this another? Is this another one of uh, uh, your wife's choices? Uh, no, this this actually, um, I I kind of wanted to see this based on the trailer. So as the story goes, uh, Natalia Grace was a uh, a girl from the Ukraine who was adopted. Uh, at six years old by a couple. Um, the couple then claimed that um, that she was actually an adult posing yeah. as a child because she had a certain uh, body dysmorphia, dysplasia disease. Um, but there, the problem with, with it, three episodes, like three or four hours, one of the problems is it is primarily told from the viewpoint of the husband. Like he's the only one, the husband and the oldest son are the only ones who really participate out of the family. Yeah. His ex-wife, um, Natalia, didn't really participate. And he is he is just this over the top drama queen type guy. And you just there's just both he and his wife really seem like horrible people. And really? In what sense? Just, you know, they 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 basically believed this girl was an adult and they ended mm-hmm. up abandoning her, a nine-year-old girl who, again, the, the special doesn't really prove one way or the other how old she is, but mm-hmm. I think it's fairly safe to say that she is a kid or was a kid. When really? They 
Um, and they basically mm-hmm. left a nine-year-old alone in an apartment um, and end up getting charged with child abandonment. And so you kind of see how the how the story progresses over the years and the father ends up going to trial in the final episode. Um, but it was just uh, very, Jesus. not very, not cool, William. Very not. That but is, uh, is... yeah, I, I, it wouldn't be one. I mean, if you're interested in the story, I would watch it. I don't think it was a very well done documentary. I don't think it had uh, a neutral viewpoint. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, definitely considering that it, it's, you know, told from the father's perspective. Right. Um, who might actually agree with William Esquire, which just makes it all the more problematic. Um, what are you watching, Brian? First off, if we do not acknowledge the series finale of Succession. Okay. Um, I highly recommend it, Ron. I know that you did not um, – you were not on the um, Logan Roy uh, bandwagon. You are not a shareholder Waystar. Um, maybe I'll try and get back into it now that I can just binge watch the – maybe I'll binge watch Succession uh, while my wife is watching Felicity. Sure. Or you could wait 24 years and then your wife will be like, hey, I'm going to watch Succession. Do you mind if I put some TV on while you flip through your phone Um, at the while you'll be at the age of 83 um, trying to figure out how you can impregnate your wife? (laughs) She'll be too old to impregnate. I'll be looking for a 29 year old. You're currently looking for a 29 year old. Hey, now. Um, So watch the season finale of uh, Succession. Really well done. Just an, an amazing show. I co- I give them a lot of credit for wrapping it up after four seasons and not trying to drag this out into six or seven. Um, obviously, the money was going to be there, um, but they took the high road and said, listen, this story can be told in this period of time. We're going to tell it and then we're going to move on. Um, really well. I uh, highly recommend it. Uh, now, do, do you, now, do you yes. find that that when when at the very end, um, Patrick Duffy wakes up and you find out that it's been all of a dream? Did you find that was kind of a cop out the way they ended it? Hold on a second. To me, the fact was that um, they did not do a close up of Patrick Duffy in the shower. They did. You know, they pulled the camera back for a wide shot. I mean, the fact that he was willing at his extended age of 83 to just go um, full on frontal nudity. I mean, the fact that you saw his Franks and Beans there, you know, as they end the series um, as Pam Dauber. No, who was the who Morgan Fairchild? Uh. Uh, she had like reddish brownish hair. I keep wanting to say Pam, Pamela. Am I right or no? I am. I'm not 100 sure, but I, I really, will. I, thought you I will allow you. I'm. I will allow you to continue to guess while. Uh, I'm sure. I'm hoping somebody's looking that up right now. Anywho, um, also saw the series finale of Ted Lasso, okay. um, which I think had one of the strongest first seasons of a show in a very long time, um, only to have uh, really, I guess, uh, just gotten worse and worse. Um, that by the time season four rolled around, and I think it was season four, it might be season three, it doesn't matter. I didn't even really care what was going on in the story, but I had already watched enough episodes his character's wife was Pam. Who was the actress, William? Who was the actress? Um, and uh, uh, literally was just praying for each episode for it to be the, the series finale. Um, but of interest, 
What I would like to point out is on Amazon Prime, I watched a documentary called Wrecking Crew. Which what is it about? It is a documentary, Victoria Principle. Ah, uh, yes. We yep. all should, as a young-blooded boy in the 80s, that name should just be emblazoned in my brain. The Wrecking Crew, it is a documentary about a series of um, uh, studio musicians that were in L.A. In the, um, in the 60s, 70s, late 50s. They were a group of 20 to 25, a collective uh, uh, studio musicians, um, including uh, uh, people that went on to be famous like Glenn Campbell, Leon Russell. But the idea was that these guys were the – and women, excuse me. They're not just guys. The, this, this group, um, they were unofficially called the Wrecking Group, but ultimately they were the de facto backing band for almost every hit record that came out of the L.A. music scene in the 60s. Hmm. See, he knows no, I, what I was, that's, about. That's a great comment. But but he then contradicts himself with this comment. Right. Hmm. Anyway, um, but basically it was, on. you know, back then music was very singles driven. Right. So there was very, you know, it wasn't as focused on a full album. So you would have these bands that would write a song, uh, would go into the studio and the producers would hear the band, you know, write the song. Then they would bring in these group of like, you know, it was it was it was a collective. So it wasn't always the same group of people. But this mixture of like 20, 25 people would come into the studio, um, perform the recorded version, improve on the song, add notes to it. And um, were never uh, uh, afforded any type of public acknowledgement that they had performed on the album. So, you know, the case that, that, that you know, is um uh, the first one to come to mind is the early Beach Boys music, right? Where it was not being performed by any of the people that was on the album, but it was performed by um, the Wrecking Crew, who would sit there with uh, Brian Wilson, and he would kind of walk them through. This is what I want this song to be, and then these studio musicians would basically take his song and just do it perfectly. That would be the released version, and we're given no credit whatsoever hmm. for decades. Like not um, even royalties or anything of that no, nature. Wow. Because they would they would collect a uh, you know a scale paycheck for their mm. work for the day, and then they would move on. And when the you know the music would be released, it would be like music by the Beach Boys, recorded by the Beach Boys, um, instruments played by the Beach Boys. Hmm. Interesting. And you know, kind of the uh, you know the uh, the facade was was um, was cracked basically with the monkeys. When, um, you know, the monkeys was a, t a famed TV show about these four guys that were in a band right. and it came out that it, it be suddenly became very public that they did not play any of their instruments. Wait, the monkeys didn't play it. But it, but back then there was such a, nobody, um, it was never spoken about that. There were these studio musicians that were doing very, you know, it was one of those things where you're flipping through, um, you know, a streaming service trying to figure out something to watch and you just, you click on something and within, um, you know, uh, 10 minutes or so, you're like, this is interesting. You have my attention and I'm along for the ride. All right. Wrecking um, crew. And I'll even, even Wrecking Crew on Amazon Prime. All right. Uh, Brian, uh, another great episode, I think. Um, we are getting ready, of course, to move on over to After Dark 
which will start at 9.30. It's uh, especially for our Patreon subscribers, which if mm -hmm. you want to join, go to ronandbrianpodcast.com. Click in the upper right-hand corner. If you uh, subscribe with the $10 level or higher, uh, you get to join us live. Uh, last week was fantastic. It was our uh, month-end pajama party. Um, our yep. Patreon listeners got to join us. Uh, we did a, a rousing uh, edition of Can You Beat Brian? It was a mm -hmm. hard fought battle, uh, which was won by a friend of the podcast, Janelle, in, uh, in tiebreaker fashion. Uh, did uh, did Janelle decide who her $50 donation was going to? Never was. I was going to give her another day and then reach out to be like, hey, you know, you've had a week. Give us, uh, because there is a $50 donation to the charity of her choice. Um, waiting for her to pick uh, which charity. Last time she beat, I believe, you a month ago, uh, and it went to Planned Parenthood. Maybe uh, maybe she'll send the $50 to that Indiana doctor that got that $3,000 fine. Just a suggestion, but it's hers to pick. We'll, we'll, it's hers we'll, to pick, we'll absolutely. All right, well, we are going to get ready for that. We appreciate... We didn't forget, Janelle. We nope. didn't forget. We always are on top of things. Um, so we're going to get ready to do that. We appreciate all of you joining us this Sunday night. Brian, anything else you want to bring to the table before we wrap this up? Listen, you know, I know, you know, I like we like to talk about, you know, listener of the week. The listener of the week is this person right here. If you're on the um, if you're on the video chat, you will see exactly who I'm talking about. I think it goes without saying. I mean, comment of the week right here. You know, um, I know that in December we put together our comment of the year bracket sponsored by our favorite Russian beer, Oberon. Oberon, Oberon wasn't it? O'Brien? I don't know. What the fuck <laughs> anyway, this is my, currently, this is my vote for comment of Oh, yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us, everybody. Patreon folks, we will see you in about 20 minutes. Everybody else, we will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.